Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. It was 10 years ago that Pastor Matt first led the students on a mission trip to Nairobi, Kenya, and into Kibera, the largest slum in all of Africa. We made connections and established a relationship with Peter Abangu and began a journey to make a difference in the lives of children and families in Kenya. While also on this trip, Pastor Mike saw pastors and church leaders struggling, and his heart went out to those who were dedicated to preaching the gospel, but didn't have the formal training and teaching tools we take for granted here in the U.S. With both of these initiatives formalized in our pastors' minds, we have continued to build relationships and set tangible goals to make an impact in Kenya. We sponsor and support teen girls and a purity program that helps keep them in school and healthy. We help lead a vacation Bible school for hundreds of young children each year, sharing the gospel and hope of Christ. We have dug wells and purchased a water truck to bring clean water to Kibera. We started a pastor training program to help meet the practical and educational needs of teaching pastors all across Nairobi and surrounding areas. God has continued to bless all our efforts in Kenya, and we have seen countless people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. As we look to the future for what God is doing through us, we are increasing our commitment by purchasing land and building the Kenya Ministry Center. Our goal is to establish a base where our ministry partners can be trained and sent out to impact the community of Kibera. The center will provide a place where teen girls in the purity program can be discipled in an after-school program, as well as a hub of distributing food to needy families. The center will provide a large enough space to host even bigger VBS programs for children. It will establish a base for the pastor training program to continue to grow. And most excitingly, we will begin a church plant along with Peter to create a sanctuary of worship and preaching in the community. Won't you consider making an impact in the lives of families in Kibera by donating to the Kenya Ministry Center today? You know, all week long, I've just thought and prayed and struggled through how to just express what you just saw and what this can mean in the life of this church. Over the last 10 years, we have seen God really do some incredible, incredible things in Kenya. Um, Over 200 of the people in this church have have stepped onto that country with this church to serve there over the years. We've seen thousands come to know Jesus as their savior. We've seen thousands that have been ministered to by our partner, Peter, and through the love and support of this group over the last 10 years. And we have seen one whole generation of students now become adults leading their families into what it looks like to walk in Jesus. But here's where I'm at this morning. I think our best days are in front of us. Now that doesn't say anything that the days behind us weren't good. That's just saying that I think God has called us to something bigger. I think that he's pointing us to something that now we can make a difference generationally in the lives of so many people in Kenya, right outside of Nairobi, Kenya. But here's the quest, here's the question this morning, how? 
You know, we've really felt like every time we've been on the ground in Kenya that we need a place and a location that can be a central spot for ministry to happen with Peter and Swahiba Ministries. And, and we've really tried to run away from it a bunch of times, but, but, but God won't let us. And so here's the ask this morning, we need you. We need you to be involved with this process because it's expensive. It's just expensive. You wouldn't think that it really is being in the location that we're going, but it really and truly is going to be a pretty big price ticket to make a dent like we're going to make. But here's the good news. God has all the money he needs, but we have it. You know, I'm just going to ask you this morning because I don't know any other way. I'm going to ask you to jump on and be involved with this project. I don't have a slick PowerPoint presentation. I don't have a whole lot other than the fact that we're about to step into somewhere in the realm of a $400,000 to a $450,000 project to plant a church, to have a resource center that can feed thousands, that can train pastors for another generation to come that can reach this community and the purity program of the thousand girls that are already walking and being discipled and being trained how to function. But I need you. I need you to be involved. This church is gonna invest in it heavily through your tithes and offerings that you have already given in years past that God has blessed us with. We think it's the parable of the talents that we need to invest what God has already given us. But here's my challenge to you this morning. My challenge is for you to pray with your family to see how you can be generous, how you can go over and beyond, and what would giving look like to your family to where you begin to give and notice it. And notice it. You know, one thing hit me this week, and that's a whole lot of us are talking, especially in this community, about the stimulus check that's about to come out. Can I just put a challenge in front of you? If your job wasn't affected, over the last months and your family didn't see anything from that job, why not? Let that be the seed money for you to give and to watch how God blesses it over these next weeks. You know, Pastor Mike and I, I can't tell you how many times we spent in this place. His family has come to us kind of hearing about this and what we're doing and they want all of the monies that he had in his pastors, the pastor's uh, institute, they're already given it towards this project to be a sustainable message of where his heart was. We already have a donor this morning that's gonna match every gift that's given this morning in the name of Jesus this morning. And I can't wait for April 18th when Peter Abungu, our partner, stands on this stage with me and for us to look into his eyes and say, here we go, let's go do this. We have just funded this ministry. Would you pray with your family this week? You can jump on the app and give. You can give in all the other ways. You go onto the website. You'll be getting a communication this afternoon. But here's what I know. When this corona thing goes away and we all get to travel again, amen, right? And when we're standing on the ground in Kenya and we get to experience what God does through this moment, I can't wait to celebrate the impact that you and that I combining with what the Lord wants to do. I can't wait to celebrate that in that location.
Lord Jesus, this week, God, challenge us this week. God, challenge us as our families of what does it look like for us to give? What does it look like for us to offer up what you have so, so graciously given us? And God, right now, I am praying that we fully, 100% fund this project in the name of Jesus in this one month. Lord, we love you. We thank you for opportunities like this where we know you're speaking. And God, I just ask that everybody in this place is generous. And they see how this is them being, investing into your community, Jesus. It's in your holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I can't wait to see the difference that we're going to make. Um, and speaking of making a difference, I want us to jump into the Word this morning. If you have a copy of Scripture, I want you to go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 with me. And we are in, I think it's like week 8 of a series of looking at the disciples, as well as today is Mission Sunday. Every time change Sunday, we kind of make a specific focus into what it looks like as our church and what it looks like as individuals to make a difference missionally. Uh, we do that on the time change that we like in the fall, and then we do it on the time change that we're in right now. Amen. I'm already hungry, and it's going to be a long message. Um, but here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to stay on theme, but we're also going to look at what it looks like to live a missional life. We've been walking through some of the lives of these disciples and, and looking at the fact that God has called these ordinary people to follow him and to make a difference on this earth. And we've said every week that we're so thankful that God has done this because he's freed us up because we're all just normal people walking out a normal life. And when we look at the disciples, they're not superheroes. They're people that just God has called and walked with. And we've seen Philip just kind of step up the Apostle Philip and say, you don't have to have all your answers. Just step out in faith sometimes. We saw John say it's a balance of truth and love and following both of those. We saw Peter say, your failures are not fatal. In fact, we just sung about that very message. We looked at Thomas saying, look, even though you may have had a moment of doubt, don't let that disqualify you from being served. And then last week was the tragic moment of looking at Judas's life. And last week, Judas would just say, don't miss opportunities with Jesus. You see, every week, what we've done is we've looked at these disciples and we've pulled out kind of a tagline from their life. But I want you to know that this tagline is not something that's written down somewhere. It's not something that anybody gave us. The tagline that we're pulling is really just a reflection of who that disciple was and maybe just maybe one of the central truths that God has taught us through that disciple's life. Well, I want you to know that the lines that we're pulling isn't just this kind of random statement. The line is kind of who they were at their core. And it's very specific. And I love how God has shown us so many directions from so many of the disciples. But I also want you to notice that over the last weeks, 
Every disciple that we have looked at, we have focused on their vertical relationship with God. You see, we have two kinds of relationships in our life. We have a vertical relationship that is my relationship with the Father. It's my relationship with Jesus, and it's me honoring him, me living for him, me wanting to know who he is. But we also have a horizontal relationship, and then that is my relationship with other people. Well, for six weeks, we've looked at disciples and we focused in on this vertical relationship with them and God. Well, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look into a horizontal relationship from a disciple that gives us a goal of how God wants us to be in interaction with other people. Because here's what I want you to notice about the disciples. You see, the disciples shared this common ordinariness, I guess we can say, but they also shared this common desire to see people meet and love and be changed by the power and the presence of Jesus in their lives. You see, while yes, they were totally given over to the idea that I will lay my life down for you, Jesus, and I will worship you, Jesus, and I want to know you, Jesus, that was common in their lives. They also had this common theme that they wanted to other people to see who Jesus was and what Jesus did in their hearts. And the result was, is that that became ultimately the mission and the purpose of their lives. So they lived this life on mission. But there's one disciple that when we look at this particular disciple that we're going to this morning, there's one disciple that stands out even more than some of the rest of them when it comes to this vertical relationship and introducing other people to Jesus that we're gonna look at this morning. We're gonna look at this disciple and then we're gonna look at a tool on the backside of this morning of how we can follow his example. This morning we're gonna look real quickly into the life of the apostle named Andrew. The disciple Andrew this morning. And I love Andrew. Andrew, because Andrew, like a lot of the other disciples, we don't really get a whole lot of biographical information, but we do get some context clues in the Bible about who Andrew is. In fact, we see first in John chapter 1, verse 44, it tells us that Philip, like Andrew, and Peter was from the town of Bethsaida. So we see that Andrew grew up with a lot of the other disciples. He grew up in this town in Galilee that was right on the Sea of Galilee. And we also see that Andrew and his family were a fishing family. We see in Matthew chapter 4, we see when Jesus finally calls him into this discipling relationship. Check it out. Matthew 4.18 says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. So we see that Andrew not only grew up in this little town that was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, but Andrew was Peter's brother and their family was in the fishing business. And finally, when Jesus called them to come follow him, they threw down their livelihoods and they walked after who Jesus was, but they never quit being fishermen. They just changed what they were fishing for. They went from fishing for peep from fishing for fish to fishing for people. But I also want you to know 
super, super interesting about Andrew is that Andrew was one of the first disciples that we get to read in the official list of the disciples that was a follower of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, kind of to bring you up to speed, he was a forerunner of Jesus. He was actually Jesus' cousin. He was six months older than Jesus. And John the Baptist was the last prophet. He was called to kind of herald or proclaim that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was coming. Now, John, now, Andrew ended up following after John the Baptist. That's how Andrew got his start. That's how Andrew learned a lot about who this guy named Jesus is, who this guy named Jesus is going to be. And we see that Andrew met Jesus through the life of John the Baptist. In fact, Andrew was one of the first two disciples that ultimately attached themselves to who Jesus is. And I want you to see this moment in John chapter one when Andrew met Jesus. I love this. John chapter one, verse 35, it says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, John said, look, the lamb of God. We're gonna talk about that a little bit next week. Look, the lamb of God. When two of his disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now we just jumped into the story and let me tell you what's happening here because it's important. We have John the Baptist is walking. That's the John that it's talking about here. He's walking with two of his followers, two of his disciples, two of the guys that were learning from him. And he looks up and he sees Jesus in this moment. And he says, look, there is the Lamb of God. Now, this is not the first time that John has said this to his followers or the people that were with him. He had said it the day before when he looked at Jesus and said, there's the Lamb of God that is gonna take away the sins of the earth. So it's, we can fairly, assume that John had been talking about Jesus, a lot about Jesus, mentioning Jesus, seeing Jesus, knowing what Jesus is doing. John had baptized Jesus. They knew each other and Jesus had been involved in ministry with John at this moment. Now John looks at his two disciples and he says, there's Jesus. Now who are the two disciples that it's mentioning here? Well, first, you're going to see later on down in the story, we know that Andrew, our disciple this morning, is with him. But secondly, the Bible doesn't clearly tell us who the other disciple here is. But we know by context clues and we know by early church writers that most likely the other disciple that was following John the Baptist is none other than the Apostle John. It's none other than the Apostle John. If you think about it, it fits the context, right? John is writing this gospel. Never in the whole gospel does John ever mention himself. He refers to himself as the disciple in whom Jesus loved. He refers to himself by the one that is close to Jesus. He refers to himself along the way as the other disciple. Why did John do that? Because John didn't want his gospel to be all about John. He wanted his gospel to be all about the life and the power and the presence of Jesus. So it's safe to assume that we have Andrew and we have none other than the Apostle John that we looked at a couple weeks ago are walking and following Jesus. Check back into the story, verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? That's probably not how he said it, but in my mind, it, like, it's almost a little cynical. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? That's kind of a weird question. 
Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where John was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John was, had said and had followed Jesus. Now look at verse 41. If you've got a Bible, I want you to underline this verse or if you're like digital, just hit that highlight button. Verse 41, look at it. It says, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, catch this, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ and he brought Peter or him to Jesus. Now I want you to notice this in verse 41 because verse 41 shows us the heartbeat of who Andrew is. It shows us if we strip away everything else and we get down to the core of who this guy Andrew is, it shows us what means most to him and it shows us what he feels like God has called him and has called us to do. In fact, if Andrew had one principle for us, here's the principle. I put it in your notes. The principle would be Andrew looking at me and you and saying, hey, you have to meet Jesus. He changed me, Andrew would say. And then he would say this, and he can change you. You see, Andrew would look at me and look at you and go, look, you gotta meet this guy, Jesus. You gotta know this guy, Jesus. He has done a work in my life. He's changed me. He's changed me so much. I know what he can do in your life. I love Andrew. Do you know why? Because this is Andrew's message. Do you know there's never a single time in the Bible that gives us any inclination of Andrew misspeaking or Andrew betraying or Andrew doubting? It never tells us any moments of him having to put his foot in his mouth. All it shows us is Andrew focused on the mission, catch this, of introducing other people to Jesus. Every time we see Andrew mentioned in scripture, this is the message we see him, introducing somebody to Jesus. Meet Jesus, here's Jesus, you gotta know Jesus. In fact, I think if Andrew were with us, he would give us three challenges from his life. And I think the first one would just plainly be this. Andrew would say wholeheartedly follow Jesus, but don't forget to bring people with you. Don't forget. He would look at his life and he would look at what Jesus has done in him and he would say wholeheartedly with everything you have, follow after Jesus. We've been saying this every week, looking at the disciples, right? Why? Because it's important for us to submit our hearts to Jesus, to give our lives to Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to realize that Jesus is the hope of the world and nothing else I have anywhere comes close to that. But then Andrew checks up and says, but don't forget just as important is to introduce other people to Jesus. Introduce people. But here's what I know about some of us. Some of us have slipped into this mold, because this happens a lot, of the farther and the longer that I walk with Jesus, the less influence I have on people who don't know Jesus. And you see, Andrew would go, no, 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 you're missing it. You see, those two things, following Jesus Introducing people to Jesus 
are the two biggest things that God has called us to do in all of eternity. That's who God's called us to be. But yet so many of us, it's almost this mutually exclusive thing. Either A, we're a person over here that is the frozen chosen and we could care less that people are dying and going to hell. And so we just want to huddle back in with our people all the time. Or over here, we got such bad theology that we can't lead people to somewhere we're not in. But Andrew says, no, follow the balance. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But yet love other people to the point to where you're sharing who Jesus is. Look, as soon as Andrew met Jesus, what did he do? What did he do when he attached himself to Jesus, when he started following after Jesus? He went and found Peter. Why? Because he knew this life-changing moment in his life, it was too big to hold to himself. Now, this is an interesting point because I don't have to tell you to tell people about big things that happen in your lives. We get to see it. You say, man, what are you talking about? Well, hey, look, if you lose 40 pounds, I now know about your health program. If you're Grandbaby is born, you better believe it. I've seen your grandbaby all the time. If you have a baby, I get to see monthly check-ins with your baby, right? I mean, I get to see everything about it. If your kid hits a home run, I get to see them standing with the baseball or the softball in their hands. If your kid makes the honor roll or if your kid has perfect attendance or if your kid drives and doesn't hit a mailbox in your neighborhood, you are posting it online and celebrating this life-changing moment in your life. If your husband gets an accolade at work, if your wife does something that is incredibly good and you have a date night together or go on a spring break together. We tell people about major events in our lives, amen? So why is it? Why is it the one thing that is keeping us from an eternity away from Jesus? We're not sharing that one. We're not sharing that one. Andrew couldn't keep this quiet, so what did he do? He found Peter, and this is logical. Peter was his brother, right? It was his brother, it's the guy he had grown up with, he had lived with most of his life. He had probably talked about almost everything with, they worked together, and Andrew wanted Peter to meet the savior of the world. He couldn't help but tell him what just happened in his life. But for some reason, we don't live this way, and I don't know why. I'm not getting down on anybody. I just don't understand why we don't. You know, I get people all the time say, say, say things like this to me, and this is probably some of you in the room, so I'm gonna try not to look at anybody. Um, Matt, I just, I just wanna go deep in the word. I, I, yeah, I know who you are. All right, I just want... I just want the depths of God. I just want to follow him. I just want to learn every single piece about him. And I just want his mysteries. Man, I just want the depths of that. Can, can I just check up a minute and tell you something? Number one, I feel like most of us are educated well beyond our level of obedience already. So why don't we just live the verses that we already know? But number two, that statement is incredible because why in the world would God take me to some extra depth that I have in my mind when I'm not living out the single most biggest great commission that God has put on my life? And in fact, the only reason that he leaves us on this earth after he saves us, and that is to tell other people about what has happened in my soul that it went from death to life. God, listen to me, God is never going to take you deeper in your relationship with him when you are not living out the number one cause in your life and that is to represent him 
He's just not gonna do it. But yet we feel like for some reason we can escape the Great Commission, but just keep just learning about God. Remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, it says, then Jesus came to them and said, last thing Jesus said to his disciples, all authority on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I command. And then he said, surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus is about to ascend to the Father and he looks into the hearts and the souls of the disciples and says, look, I have changed you and I am with you. Now go and make disciples. I'm gonna be with you. What is Andrew saying? Wholeheartedly follow Jesus. Listen, you guys know I love the word of God, but he says, bring people with you. But number two, this one's a little lighter, I promise. Number two, he would say, trust who God has created you to be and use it to lead others for Jesus. Trust who God has created you to be. Now look, God didn't make a mistake when he made you. And I know somebody here needs to hear that this morning because you're struggling. Can I tell you, God did not make a mistake when he made you. He made your personality, he made your giftedness, he made every idiosyncrasy about you. God has given you a uniqueness about you. Listen to me, don't try to be someone else. Never fall into the trap of trying to be somebody else. You be who God has called you to be. You know, when you see the story of Andrew reaching Peter, doesn't it seem like that this is the backwards thing to do? I mean, think about it. If I was in charge and I was God, which we're all glad that I'm not, I would have went for Peter first. Why? Because Peter's the leader, right? Peter's the outspoken one. Peter's the one that can get a crew around him. Peter's the one that can lead people, right? But I love how God was like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm gonna reach the guy over here that all we know about him is that he just introduced people to Jesus. And I think he did this for a couple reasons. This is just me taking a stab at it. I think God uses this moment right here to even more drive this series home that God just loves individual, ordinary people that just submit to God and just watch God take over. But I also believe that God is showing us right here that everybody doesn't have to be a big, loud preacher boy out there. That we don't have to have big old flamboyant personalities to be used by God. You know that Andrew knew at the moment that Peter came onto the scene that Peter would have that Peter would have all of the limelight. That was just his personality, right? But Andrew understood who he was. He was a background guy. He was a support role guy. He didn't care about the prestige. He didn't get in the fight about who's gonna be on the right and who's gonna be on the left. No, we don't see any occasion of him being rebuked for wanting his pride to pop up. Andrew, listen to me. Andrew just shows that you don't have to be a big old upfront personality to be used by God. He shows us this, but I do want you to know that Andrew completely understood and appreciated what the heart of another person looks like and why they need to come to Jesus. You see, I, I feel like for some reason, a lot of us have disqualified ourselves from being used in the kingdom and sharing the gospel of Jesus because we think that, oh, I just don't have that personality or I just don't have that outgoingness and I just don't have that extrovert personality. Neither did Andrew. He just wanted people to meet Jesus. 
I mean, remember back, look at verse 41 again. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Do you know every time we see Andrew in the New Testament, this is exactly what he's doing? John chapter 6, verse 5, we see him. Andrew is the one who introduced the boy with the fishes and the loaves to Jesus. He said, hey, you got to meet this kid. He's, he's, got our, he's, he's got five fish and some loaves. Andrew's the one in John chapter 12 that introduced the Greeks, the Greek guys to Jesus when they had some questions after the triumphal entry. And Jesus spoke to the Gentiles. That was a big deal. And I just want you to see this because Andrew is an incredible, incredible example for all of us that literally don't speak in front of people. You know, we never see a time in all of Andrew's ministry in the New Testament that he spoke in front of masses of people. We never see him giving a sermon in front of crowds. He didn't write a gospel. He didn't write one of the letters in the New Testament. We don't have a whole big old message about what it looks like for his missional moment. His name, catch this, Andrew's name is not even mentioned in the book of Acts other than the whole list of disciples in any of those occasions. Why? Because he was a guy who just wanted people to one-on-one meet Jesus I'm not saying he didn't do that, but it wasn't pointed out. But I want you to see something. He impacted thousands of people. How? Well, he introduced the boy with the fish and loaves, right? What did Jesus do? He multiplied it, and almost 15,000 people heard the name of Jesus because this one guy introduced this one guy to Jesus. He's the guy who introduced Peter to Jesus. And I want you to catch this. Peter preaching at Acts, at Pentecost, when 3,000 people came to the Lord in this incredible fruitful day and the church was born. Listen, that was an incredible fruit of Peter's life, but I need you to tell you every single piece of fruit from Peter's ministry is also a piece of fruit from Andrew's ministry. Why? Because Andrew led him to the Lord. Showed him the Lord. Listen, you don't have to be a pastor, a teacher, a preacher, a speaker. You never know what happens when you submit to say, God, you have created me to be this person. And when you submit to be that and give that to Jesus, listen to me, the Holy Spirit can move in your heart and life and do incredible work. Incredible work. We're all called to share Jesus, just not necessarily doing what I'm doing right now. We're called to share, which leads me to number three. Remember, he would say, most people meet Jesus through the influence of an individual person. An individual person. We saw it in the story, right? Can I tell you that most people meet Jesus through a believer just like you that chooses to love them enough to invest in them and talk about Jesus? Most people don't meet Jesus through a big old program or somebody like me. They made Jesus because you sat over coffee with them, you sat in the truck with them, you were on a sports team with them, you sat in a cubicle with them, you had lunch with them one day, and you went, hey, can I, can I just tell you something, what God's done in my heart and life? But we don't. Why? Two reasons. Number one, fear. We're afraid. We're afraid of rejection, which I can just tell you, don't worry about that, because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. But number two, we don't do it because we just don't feel like we're prepared. We just don't feel like we know how to do what God has called us to do. We just don't feel like we know how to get there. Well, here's what I wanna do just with a couple of minutes this morning, and I promise you I'm not gonna give you the best at this because we don't have time. I wanna give you a way that you can share the gospel with anyone, with anybody you come in contact with. I wanna give you a tool this morning to show you how you can do this incredibly quickly but incredibly proficiently. 
But number one, you gotta be willing. Number two, you gotta ask God to speak and put people in your life. And number three, you gotta turn any conversation into a spiritual conversation, all right? You gotta turn it somehow. Usually that happens when there's a problem, where there's some kind of issue, or there's some kind of opportunity, or when somebody just says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And you're like, yeah, you can talk to me for a minute, because I'm gonna get this conversation to Jesus somehow. But let me give you from that point on what you can do to speak the gospel into somebody's life. And it's three circles I want you to think about. The first circle is just the circle of God's design. It's the circle of God's design. Every person that comes to you and you have a moment with them, you can explain the fact that when God created this earth, that God wanted a relationship with them and he wanted a relationship with me. And when God created this earth, it was perfect and we had 100% access to God. And that's how God wanted it. But there was a problem that happened and that problem is called sin. And when sin entered the earth, sin is just a churchy word that means that we departed from God's plan. What happened to the perfect earth was that brokenness. Brokenness entered the earth. You see, no, a single person that you ever talk to doesn't understand brokenness. Do you know why? Because they've tried to fill it. They've tried to fill their brokenness with things like family or maybe things like alcohol, maybe things like drug abuse. They've tried to fill their brokenness with things like trying to stay busy or all these other things, but they can't fill that brokenness. And that's why they're talking to you in the first place. That's the hope that they don't have. And at this point, you can say, hey, listen, I understand what you're going through. I know where you're at. But can I tell you this, that God does not want you to stay there. He wants you to realize something that Jesus has come to take your brokenness and to move you back to God's design. It's as easy as this. It's as easy as this to lead someone from God's design to brokenness all the way over. Why? Because when God looked at the earth, he said that all that he made was perfect. Genesis 1, 31, right? But here's the problem. For all have sinned, Romans 3, 23, and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. So what do we do? We ended up in brokenness. But God didn't want it to stay that way. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Because here's what God wants to do. He wants to give life. He wants to give life. What is Romans 10, 9 just says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. Can I just tell you something? The gospel is simple. It's the life, it's the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. When you're talking about the gospel to somebody, it's not just you talking ethereal language. Those three things have to be present or it's not the gospel. But here's what I want you to know. People are looking for a way to get out of their brokenness. And they're filling it with something. So let's offer them the only thing that can fix it. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. All he asks us to do is believe and to repent. That's it. So when you get to this point with somebody, they probably got questions. And then you can just talk to them. 
You can just have a normal conversation with a person and tell them your story of how God has taken you from death to life and how God has brought you back into a relationship with him. And then you can ask this final question. I'll put it in your notes. Here it is. Is there anything that would keep you from giving your heart to Jesus right now? You know, that's called sealing the deal. And that one question can open up so many opportunities for you to speak hope and life and grace into a person that has fallen from God's design, because we've all fallen, into brokenness, but now is realizing that Jesus came to live the life that I couldn't live. He died the death that I deserve to die, but now he has given me the chance of eternal life. Listen, I just drew every single one of this while talking to you guys on an iPad screen and you can do the same thing on a napkin, you can do the same thing on a piece of paper or you can download the app Life on Mission and you can just click through this baby when you're talking to somebody about the gospel. But here's where God wants us to be. Fully relying on him, fully bringing people with us. Can I guarantee you when you have this conversation with somebody, you don't have to have all the answers. You will walk out of this conversation and go, I don't even know where that came from. And you know what it is? It's the Spirit of God talking inside of you. And He will do it. He will. But here's the question, church. Are we satisfied with just this little deal that we have going on? Or to what's happened in us, are we so incredibly radically changed that we're being compelled to take it to others? You know, during this moment of invitation today, I just want you to be praying, God, who is it that's on my heart this week? March, we're here. We've challenged you to share the gospel with one person this week. This week, Lord Jesus, Teach us to keep our eyes on you and keep our eyes pointed in the direction of watching for opportunities that you put in front of us. Lord Jesus, thank you for the example of Andrew. Thank you that we don't have to all be something that we're not, but you have called every single one of us to step into the lives of other people and share the gospel the good news that you have come to forgive us and to give us life. God, when we do this, we will see you move and we will see your heart shine, Lord Jesus. It's in your name. Let's stand and pray as you're thinking and praying during this invitation song. I just want you to know that that we would love to walk with you through this. Our missions department has some trainings that are coming up. Jump on one of those. I didn't do it justice this morning, but you have the Holy Spirit living in you and he will guide you to show other people how to know Jesus. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you wanna know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you so take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com slash next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.